ladies and gentlemen, Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. It's an it's a honest to god game week, Adam. <laughs> it is. Like, we didn't know if this would happen. It had a couple false starts, it seemed like, but here we are, Arizona, Utah. The kickoff. The time changed actually. We're supposed to be at two o'clock our time, then I think it got moved to one thirty Arizona time. It's now going to be on ESPN two instead of ESPNU because of a cancellation from one of the other games that was supposed to be on ESPN two. So Arizona gets moved into a more I guess prime time spot on the Deuce. So, hooray! Did, did they still call it the Deuce? I don't know. I'm dating myself with that one. I think, but yeah, like Arizona, Utah. Arizona is a fourteen and a half, or they're a fourteen point underdog right now. They the line began at fourteen and a half, so the smart money is clearly on Arizona. I think is what that means. But yeah, I, this abbreviated season for Arizona, the third under Kevin Sumlin. Little in the way of expectations or even optimism outside of maybe Wildcat Radio 2.0. I, I, but I just, I mean, it's football, it's live sports, it's Arizona. So even if you think they're going to be bad, you have to be excited for this. Yeah, I think all the things that we've been talking about for this very elongated offseason, win or lose, I'm very excited to see how the team looks and some of the players, especially certain, you know, position groups that we think. Mm-hmm could become a strength, if they, even if they haven't been in the past, thinking like the defensive line, maybe even the offensive line, wide receivers. Um, you know, I'm real curious to see how they, they all perform as position groups, and Grant Cannell at the quarterback spot, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think this is, we've talked about this is a game where there's there's so much unknown with Utah, and they've had so many changes that, you know, if if, if a First game of a season can be characterized as a trap game, if we're <laughs> allowing that to be a thing. This, you know, would seem to potentially qualify for that if you're Utah. Um, and, you know, Arizona doesn't have, you know, their expectation is to have no expectations, right, for the season. So how is that going to translate? We'll see. And there's also the interesting idea of being prepared for this game. Now, granted, it's the first game they've all had time to prepare, but this offseason has been so weird. And, like, year three was always going to be the make-or-break year for Kevin Sumlin, especially after the first two years, the way they went. And the COVID pandemic might have changed things. Arizona may not have the money to fire him if they decide they want to do that, and especially the shortened season. It isn't even fair to judge. In some ways, it will be fair to judge because there's certain things you're going to be looking for in terms of growth, in terms of Kevin Sumlin recruits playing well. And to your point, like, there's so many changes for Arizona, so many changes for Utah, but Utah, of course, they have the system in place. You know, they're losing their quarterback. They... They're a different offense. They lost pretty much everybody. It feels like all their main guys. And yet you trust that they're going to be good because they're a well-coached team. They're a program that just they should be able to keep rolling. But Arizona was so bad. I mean, they lost the last seven games last season. Like this Arizona team enters this game on a seven-game losing streak, a completely different defensive coaching staff, 
an offensive system that probably won't look the same from what we're used to because it's a different quarterback running it. So I it's this game won't be the one that determines anything, but obviously if Arizona comes out and plays well, and I mean, geez, if they can win the game, then you start to feel better about their chances. But then again, the idea that is it a possible trap game because Utah has their own issues and there's going to be no fans, so everybody has to deal with that. Like, it's going to be weird, but I think one thing we'll learn is how good this coaching staff was at getting these guys prepared to play. And not necessarily like X's and O's wise, but will they be focused? Because it's going to be different for everybody. No fans, a weird offseason. Like, is Arizona going to be, do they look like they belong out there on the field? If they do, that's a testament to the job this coaching staff has done. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, I think it'll also be a little bit revelatory of how much some of the players have bought into what the coaching staff is doing in terms of imposing kind of, kind of some self-discipline during the <laughs> elongated offseason. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you mentioned a couple of things. I don't think they were meant to be a, to be a, an optimistic take for Arizona when you said there's a whole new defensive staff, like it was a bad thing. No. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, different. Like you assume, and we, we had uh, Rob Barron on a couple of weeks ago from Sharp College Football. It's like there's this thought, this belief that the coaching staff can't be any worse on the defensive side. Like they have to be better despite the fact that they're not the old coaches. Like they're old coaches, but not the old coaches, and they'll get better that way. But you don't know. We haven't seen it. Yeah, I think, but I think you're what you're kind of circling around is this is one of those games where we've been saying that it, it may not be the record at the end of the season, but it's how they look in some of these games. This is one of those games that, you know, I think they have a puncher's chance to, to pull a, an upset um, or at least look better doing it and more competitive doing so um, if they lose. You know, if they if they come out and get <laughs> boat raced, if, it, if it's like the, the first half is like the, the Houston game, a couple like a year or two ago yeah where it was you know just getting destroyed at halftime that's gonna that can throw a lot of uh shall we say momentum for the season awry a little bit but i think it you know it's gonna dictate the 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 tone of the season the direction of the season win or lose i think a little bit and how they look and i honestly think it's gonna really set the tone for the perception of of someone and the coaching staff in general, because if they come out and mildly impress even while losing, I think that that really helps shift the narrative. If not, you know, I mean, there's there's no such thing as moral victories, but you know, there maybe are. that maybe. I, I think in college I, football there can be. That's yeah. I mean. At the end, of, you play to win the game. To quote our uh, our rivals head coach, <laughs> but 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 like you go into it as a fourteen point underdog, losers of seven straight with a a brand new quarterback. I know Grant Cannell played a decent amount last season, but all the transfers defensively, a whole new defensive scheme. If you go out there and compete in this game, which is something that Arizona really didn't do the last seven games of last season, like they were in the ASU game, they were in the Washington game for the first half, USC maybe for the first half, but they you know, really thought they were going to win that game. If they compete with Utah, who, yeah, they lost a lot from last season. They still won the Pac-12 South for you know, the last two years. It's a good program. So if Arizona can go on the road and be competitive, like obviously you'd want them to win the game. And we've talked about that. If they're in games, they might steal one. And this could be that one. But I think there could be a, a moral victory in just showing a competency that they didn't show last season. That's a low bar. <laughs> I guess I'd say, hey, you're competitive in year three of Kevin Sumlin. Everything's going great. But – from what we last saw of this team when they were hardly competitive at all, if they're competitive because Grant Cannell looks good, like he looks like the real deal against a good defense, if the defense looks more 
fundamentally sound, even if the talent isn't necessarily there or ready yet, then you'd feel good about that even if you lose the game, I think, because it's still week one, right? This is supposed to be – the first game for this team is supposed to be against – what was uh, was it Hawaii? It was supposed to be week one for mm-hmm. them or week zero again. Yeah. You know, and then Portland State, you're supposed to have those games. You weren't supposed to play Utah for your first game. So if you go out and we can – it's the same issue for Utah too. You know, their first game is against Arizona. But, no, I think I think there could be a moral victory to be had, but Arizona has to check a few boxes to claim one. Yeah, I, I, I guess the competitor in me doesn't like to have moral victories, but I, I guess to your point, it, it would be. Um, and I, you know, I don't think any of us have any uh, delusions of grandeur over looking particularly good against USC in week two. Mm-hmm. So it'd be nice to get some type of positive, uh, you know, vibe coming out of this uh, this week one matchup because I think Washington is kind of is similar to the Utah game where I think it's going to be a similar spread. But, you know, maybe if you have a little bit, you, you have some momentum to build upon, you have some guys emerge a little bit, um, we'll, we'll see. And you get some live reps with the new defense that's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, there were some surprises, at least in my mind, a little, a few sp- minor surprises on the depth chart and how they kind of laid things out. Uh, and, you know, well, I'm, let's I'm just excited. Like, what, what surprised you on the depth chart? Uh, I, I'm a little mildly surprised that Trayvon Mason isn't starting um, because I'm a big believer in him in general. Uh, I think he's got a lot of talent. Well, they went with the veterans too, Blackwell and Lopez, the transfers. Yeah, that it's, sense. it's hard to argue with gonna, either of them. They're going to rotate guys in. That's the whole idea. Like, it's whether you're starting, like, you're going you're gonna to get reps, I would think. Yeah, I mean, you look at that defensive line and you say, you know, Tump, like... <laughs> You know, it's that meme of the guy sitting at the in the park with the sign. It's like Arizona has defensive line depth. Prove me wrong. <laughs> like, you know, it like if Blackwell, way. if Blackwell and Lopez. I mean, part of the unknown with them was they're both coming off of fairly significant injuries last mm-hmm. year, right? So yeah. you didn't know for sure how healthy they were. If they are coming in and are healthy enough and performing well enough to be starting, boy, your your floor for that defensive line, I think gets elevated, right? Because if they're good enough to be starting with what, you know, in front of Tapasoa and Trayvon Mason, you say, oh, yeah, I actually feel pretty good about the depth there, right? Yeah. Um, so that that was a, a mild surprise for me. I think, you know, we kind of heard it coming through camp that made it less of a surprise by the time it happened. I would have thought, you know, six, you know, a few months ago after Schooler and Fields decided they were leaving, I was like, well, Darian Clark is going to be a starter at middle linebacker because... Darian Clark is the only middle linebacker. <laughs> um, but with, uh, you know, Morning, who was a freshman a freshman that we were, I think we were moderately high on even yeah, at, he was at a pretty, signing day. He was a pretty solid get for them, it seemed like. He was under-recruited, but a guy that was like, hey, why is this guy under-recruited? You know, we seem to be proven right on that kind of optimism, at least well, in the I fact mean, he, that he's he might starting. Be starting well. but he's starting largely because... They have to start someone there. And that's no, like, he, he could be good, right? Like, it's possible. Yeah. Freshmen have come in and played well. And if he was under-recruited, like we thought, and the coaching staff, they identified someone there that can play right. Like, would he be playing, would he be starting if Colin Schooler and Tony Fields were around? No. But would he be getting on the field some? Probably. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think the other um, big surprise, at least on the defensive side of the ball in the depth chart to me, was at the safety position. Uh I'm not necessarily surprised that Jackson Turner is listed as a starter. Uh, I am a little more surprised that it's 
I would have thought they would have moved him to free safety so Christian Young could be on the field as a starter. But again, I think they're going to be rotating guys. Yeah. Because Christian Young, you would have thought was, well, he's a lock to start, right? Um, but Jackson Turner is a guy who I was high on coming out of high school and seemed to have really positive feedback, you know, in, in a limited role before kind of getting derailed with injury as a freshman. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do. And then also, you know, back from the dead, essentially, Reddy Short listed as a co-starter basically with Jarius Wallace. You know, who's a guy who was relatively highly rated that I think he I think he was a four star in some things. I think it was a UCLA commit, if I recall correctly. That sounds right. Yeah. And then uh, I think they basically dropped him and then we we got him and people are like, oh, a, you know, borderline three, four star recruit that came from UCLA. This guy should be a player. And his, <laughs> haven't heard been, anything. Like he's never played. I don't think like he's yeah, played. he's a red shirt. He's a red shirt junior. I'm not even sure he's seen the field on special teams. Honestly. Right. Which, um, it goes back to also like. When you have this many issues, like this, not many issues isn't the word. We have this many changes, this many new guys stepping into the lineup. It's either because they're really good and played great in camp. A new defensive system means there's different roles for people that might fit better than what they were before, or it's just desperation. They need to throw someone in there, right? And we don't know the answer to that. Like, is you'd have to think there's a reason Reddy Short never saw the field. Now, maybe with a new coaching staff and a different defensive system, he fits it better. Like that's possible, but. Like you can't bank on that, right? If you're looking for weaknesses on this depth chart, like defensive line is a strength, which feels weird to say. I can't like even hearing myself say it's like, wait, what? But on paper, it's a strength. Also on paper, Arizona safeties are bad. <laughs> like, like on paper. Yeah, I think that's largely a product of Jackson Turner being an unknown quantity at this sure. point and ready short. Um, I think for Reddy Short, it might you touched on a new coaching staff. I think sometimes guys can get in the doghouse with certain coaching staffs, and they're not like the favorites. And you know, sometimes that can also be a motivating factor for some of these guys on the defense, or maybe in the doghouse. And now with the new staff, they're motivated to maybe be a little more focused and dedicate maybe. themselves a little bit with a maybe. fresh start. Like that can be motivating for those kind of guys. Like, I mean, Malik Hausman is up there at, at, on the uh, on the on the depth chart, and you know, he's had injury issues. Uh, that have kind of held him back, but he was, you know, he wasn't seeing the field, um, you know, in front, especially certainly not on the same list as Mackenzie Barnes and Bobby Wolf, who are also listed there on the backups. But you look at the the corners, and you know, I think part of it, maybe a surprise, is the lack of a move of one of those corners to safety, which I think we we'd all talked about, and I think maybe. Michael Levitt's been talking like about. Roland Wallace maybe moving to safety or. Or, or Barnes or, yeah. yeah. But if you don't need uh, to, if you think you're going to have, how many times are you going to just have two cornerbacks on the field? You know, you're going to be having a lot of nickel out there probably and different lineups. And that's where talk about this 3-4 defense, how they fit in. And how often are they going to be in a base 3-4 with, you know, a couple corners, a couple of safeties. Like, it's not going to be a thing that you're going to see all the time. So, like, Bobby Wolf will see the field, I assume. You know, Malik Hausman, Mackenzie Barnes, they'll, they'll see the field. Yeah, I mean, well, other surprise, just because I don't know who they are, Rourke Freeberg and Parker Henley as <laughs> our backup linebackers, which is not surprising that I don't know who they are. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, that you look at the the, the linebacker core, and that's where you, you go, oh, Jalen Harris, sure. J- Anthony Pandy, yeah, great. Derek Morning, maybe. Kobana Watson, Watson, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know. We'll see how they how they look, and then you look at the backups, and you go, "Oof, nobody nobody get hurt, please." And that's where, like, <laughs> if if there are injuries, though, I could see them going to more nickel, and then you get one. Of, I, I'd rather have Bobby Wolf on the field more than Parker or Henley. I would think. 
you know, if you can build a defense yeah. around that style. And that's no, I mean, Parker Henley might turn out to be good. We don't know. I've never seen him play. But like, it's, again, like Arizona's defensive depth chart is, like, the starters aren't bad across. It doesn't seem like there's there's some, outside of safety, there's some proven talent there. Now, maybe it's not proven elite talent, but you've seen them play at this level, and you've seen them be successful at times. But the backups, oh, boy. <laughs> you know, and that's largely because a lot of these guys who are starting were supposed to be the backups. They weren't supposed yeah. to. You're supposed to have Collins School. You're supposed to have Tony Fields. You're supposed to have Scotty Young, you thought. You know, not as recently, but those were three guys who were going to be starters, which means now Derek Mourning is not a starter. You know, it means Darian Clark isn't your top backup necessarily, or Parker Henley or Rourke Freeberg. Like, and that's what happens. Like, depth, and we've talked about You've harped on it quite a bit on our podcast here in Wildcat Radio 2.0, is that just building that depth is that's been what holds them back. Like, cause they injuries always happen. And then when Arizona suffers an injury, they have nothing that can, no one that can really fill in and make up for that defensively that at least not on, like outside the defensive line, it feels like they're in that same boat. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. When you mentioned, you're probably going to see a lot of, nickel defense and how you how you fill that nickel spot you know you see at at behind Jarius Wallace and Reddy Short is Isaiah Mays who I think was the Juco guy that was kind of a hybrid nickel corner safety guy yeah, he was if a you late ad if I remember right yeah and he's like kind of got the size where he's almost like a tweener between like a corner and a safety which could be a great for like a nickel back spot because I'm pretty sure his he's supposed to have pretty raw athleticism or maybe if you're trying to go nickel uh but you're not, you know, in those, call it like a third and four situation where you're like, boy, I don't know if they're going to be, if it's a pass or run, maybe you have uh, Christian Young come on there as a as a nickel. That's almost more of that, you know. Kind of like that, that old kind bandit of, linebacker role. That, yeah, like, like that high, you know, later, yeah. Yeah, or like, the you know, to 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 reference the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL, the the safety they turned into the linebacker. I'm blanking on his oh, name from Washington State. Yeah. Yeah, like. Christian Young and Dan Buchanan to me are, have a very similar body type and kind of, you know, strengths and weaknesses, right? Yeah, like yeah. Christian Young's not a, really a cover guy, but you you like him in a run support role. Like so he can play in the box pretty well. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some pieces that you can in in the right defensive staff, which we'll see. You know, all all the experience is there uh, in in terms of being able to. You might be able to scheme your way with some of these pieces where you can actually find ways to put people on chances to be successful, um, which is another thing I'll be looking for because like looking at young and maze right there, even rotating or rotating in Jarius Wallace at some spots, like there's, there's interesting things you can do. Even if you don't feel great about the, the, the frontline starters, you can see your, you can see your way to scheming that to be successful. Maybe. And I guess it's <laughs> football is filled with guys who teams were forced to rely on, and then, like, oh, this guy can play. And I'm not expecting Arizona's backups who we've never heard of or never seen to come in and be great. Like, that's – like, I'm an optimist going into this season, but I'm not that optimistic, right? Like, I understand that that's, that's a lot to ask. But it can happen, and with the right coaching staff – and that's the other thing, too, this weird offseason. How much of this system could they install? How much did they learn about these guys, you know, with this short and camp? Like, they didn't have, a, they didn't have their spring practices and spring camp and all that in the spring game and then have an entire offseason. Like, okay, this is what we have. Here's how we can work with this. Like, obviously, they're experienced coaches. I imagine they can figure this out. But for a defense like what they have with so many moving parts and parts that moved out, 
like it makes it a little bit trickier. But again, like I believe in the defensive coaching staff. Like they're not one that you get excited about, but you look and say they know what they're doing. And you couldn't say that about the last coaching staff on the defensive coaching staff largely. So if nothing else, you do feel like they'll be better prepared. Now, one thing we haven't talked about is the offense. And we've talked about that a lot in other shows, but a lot of confidence on that side of the ball. (laughs) Like like if Arizona is going to be competitive against Utah or against anyone this season, it's not going to be because this defense suddenly steps up and is just like, whoa, they're they're top half of the Pac-12 defense. That's not likely to happen. But offensively, they very well could be. And that's where, like, any, any sense of optimism starts right there. I mean, really with Grant, Gun- like Grant Gunnell, like, that's where it begins because, obviously, remember, pro football focus thinks he's the best returning quarterback in the conference. The stats guys love him. He Nine touchdowns, one interception last season. Like, he looks like he's going to be really, really good, the type of quarterback who belongs on a good team. And with the weapons he has, I know uh, Jaden Mitchell tore his ACL. He won't have him this season. Frank Brown, MCL injury couple of weeks he'll be out probably two to three weeks which in a season that's only you know six plus one seven games missing three games is quite a lot like that's half the season but just offensively for all the questions we have on defense offensively almost to me doesn't have hardly any yeah I you know you look through there's you feel pretty good when you look through the depth chart certainly at the starters but you also see some even some dare I say depth there like there's some intriguing guys that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see on the on the offensive line side, uh, like Sam Longy, Langy, Longy. I think I saw in the pronunciation guy it's Longy. Um, one of the the JUCO. I think he was a JUCO transfer, right? Six five, three twenty nine. He's a big man, but like backup at left tackle. But in like Tyson Gardner at left guard is kind of surprising. Like, um, but but realistically. There's probably seven guys in the rotation, and there's probably eight deep. And you have, and that means you know they have Congle and Donovan uh, as either or at right guard. You know, I got to think if Jordan Morgan goes down, either David Watson or they're going to kick Donovan Lay out to tackle spot, and then bring in the other of Donovan and Congle. Yeah, but right. One thing about those backup linemen too, though, is like they're redshirt juniors, right? Redshirt sophomores, redshirt junior, and bigger guys. So they're not they're not true freshmen. And they're not little. And that's one thing that someone, it's obvious looking at this depth chart, what they've done is just being big doesn't mean you're going to be good, but it helps. <laughs> you know, In Arizona, you look at that offensive line, that's a big offensive line. And the backups are big. And again, doesn't mean the backups are good. Doesn't mean the starters are going to be great. But at least from left to right, you look at it, Morgan, Lay, McCauley, who I know is dealing with an injury. He may not be ready for Utah. We're not sure about that. You know, Fears, Congo, like that's not bad. Like, you could feel that it's maybe not the best offensive line, but it's going to be solid. Well, with that much experience coming back and all guys that have played together, that, you know, maybe on the offensive line more than any position group is where chemistry and experience playing together matters the most, right? Um, and they got a lot of experience with Gunnell playing quarterback last year in his true freshman season, right? Like, so it's not like – and they're not having to go back and forth between – uh, completely changing the, what's going on behind them in the pocket well, normally. And, and having a quarterback <laughs> where they can try to create a pocket for not have to worry about scrambling, running around like that. It's a different right. type of offensive line play. Like how many times do you see like when you're watching a game and they ask like they're like, Yeah, the offensive line did their job. <laughs> you know? Like they kept the guys out, like they blocked them around. They created a pocket. It's called a pocket for a reason. And then when you have a quarterback who Khalil Tate oftentimes with his legs could make something happen. Like that's part of what when he was, especially when he was doing well, is because he was so dynamic, moving around the pocket, taking off and running. But for offensive linemen, 
That's not always easy. Like, sometimes you prefer that guy who, Canal's not a statue, but you prefer a guy who's going to stand in the pocket, make his reads, and get the ball out. Like, it's just easier to be an offensive lineman that way. Yeah. I, I 100% agree. And then, I, you know, looking through the depth chart, I think the only other maybe mild surprises would be Booby Curry getting an outright named a starter over uh, Drew Dixon as a redshirt junior. But I think we were all hoping that that would happen. And you've heard nothing but positive things about Curry having a fantastic camp. You know, maybe he he's a breakout potential kind of guy. Well, his history right? with Gunnell, too, in high school probably helps. Yeah. Um, and I was actually kind of surprised to see uh, Mejon Wright showing up as a true freshman on the depth chart, but that might be, and, and, and Dylan Miller, who was a guy that I was like, he's a Phoenix kid that when he was uh, a recruit, I was like, I feel like, am I crazy that this might be a guy that could, he's got good size. Yeah. He was relatively, you know, unheralded, but another guy you're hearing had, had a great camp. Um, and if, you know, you look through that, you look through the running backs, you look through the O line, you know, you feel, you feel pretty good. Uh, when you, you go do. position by position, you do. And, and Mike, <laughs> Michael Wiley apparently has put on some serious muscle and looks like a you know a different guy so coming out of the backfield. He might have to move the linebacker depending on how things are. I think we saw Tilford. <laughs> no, have you seen Michael Wiley? But and he was a guy too. Like I'm a big fan of Gary Brightwell, a huge fan of his. And this will be his first time being the full time starter. At least he played a decent amount when JJ Taylor was hurt. So it's not like he's never been the lead back for this team. But he's a big running back. He's really fast. And he's going to be the guy, but behind him, Michael Wiley or Tilford or Jalen John, like there's so many, like there's good depth there. Like Brightwell's pretty unheralded in terms of Pac-12 running backs. You always hear about something else, but like he's every time he's been on the field, he's produced, you know, and it's different when you're getting maybe 20 carries a game, but he may not get 20 carries a game. They have other running backs, but of course over a seven game season, maybe say it's fine. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have to worry about that much, but just, offensively especially skills and if the offensive line falls apart and isn't good then none of this will matter right that that's football so like you, it's easy to gloss over them because they're not going to put up stats but they need to do their job and be solid up front and that allows grant Cannell and these receivers that we're excited about and the running backs that we're excited about to go to work so if the offensive line is decent then it's hard to imagine this team not scoring points and that's what a lot of people forget last year that offense was pretty good and then the offensive line started getting banged up you know, J.J. Taylor was hurt. The offensive line started getting hurt. And all of a sudden, they cratered. And, like, that's, that's football, and that's where you need that better depth because injuries will happen. But it wasn't like Arizona offensively last season was a terrible team for the entire way. That's not true. They were pretty good offensively to start the season, and then it all fell apart. So, you know, they have the pieces to be very good offensively once again. When I, I think you said they're they're good enough that they should be able to put up points. I would actually argue even more importantly, they're built and capable of eating up clock to keep the defense off the field. Because you look at those like if Michael Wiley has put on the weight where he can pound you know pound pound it in the running game, not just be like a a guy that gets a lot of checkdowns and kind of quick. You know Brightwell, him, Tilford, like you got some 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 powerful running backs there, uh, and you've got some. It, it's going to be the most potentially boring Mazzoni style offense that is perfectly suited to what we need this offense to do. Uh, you know, don't turn the ball over, control the clock, move the ball around, take what the defense gives you long sustained drives. And as long as they punch some things in for some drives in for touchdown and not settling for, for field goals, that 
is what's going to set up the defense for success and put you, mm-hmm. put you in the chance to win games, right? Yeah. Um, and, like, I, I'm highly confident that they'll be able to move the ball. You know, and then I think it's a question of when you get into the red zone, are you able to uh, effectively punch it in and get seven and not three? And are you able to avoid turnovers? And everything we saw last year from Greg Gannell and, 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 and the offense in general is um, – you know, they should be relatively good at taking care of the ball. And it's going to be a lot of swing passes, a lot of checkdowns, occasional deep pass to try to keep the defense honest, and a lot of, you know, just game management offense that can be really effective uh, at, at both moving the ball, eating clock, and getting points on the board. Yeah, yeah, and that's – I mean, we say that, and then we also talk about these receivers, right? And we mention – like getting in the red zone, having Booby Curry at 6'2", Jamari Joyner, 6'1", 214. Bryce Wolma, who we all forgot about, but he's, he's as solid as they come, 6'4", you know, 239. They have size. You know, Brian Castile's 6 feet. Majon Wright's 6'2". So it just the weapons are there. And to the extent that I guess the running backs aren't proven that they can be the guy. None of these guys have had to be over the course of a season. And the same for these receivers. Like, Jamari Joyner had one season not as a number one receiver, but he kind of was the de facto when in his first year playing wide receiver. Like, there's, I think there's a lot of reason to be bullish on this offense. Of course, they got to stay healthy, too, especially Grant Canal. But, you know, because, like, like, the backups are Rhett Rodriguez or Kevin Doyle or Will Plummer, that famous or that Kevin Sumlin in his press conference <laughs> talked about. You know, I feel like Rich Rodriguez used to do the or thing as well. And it's just like, whatever. It, I, guess, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? You can put in whoever you want. It's not like the NFL where you only have a certain amount of quarterbacks active. If you want to throw Will Plummer on the field, you can throw Will Plummer on the field. It doesn't, you know. But just it's <laughs> it's weird to talk about this team as glowingly as I think we have because of the fact that we haven't seen them win a game in a calendar year, you know, more than a <laughs> calendar year. But offensively, at least week one, and we don't know there's injuries and stuff. We'll see what happens. You know, who's going to be there again? We meant we know about Jaden Mitchell. We know about Frank Brown because they Instagram stuff about their injuries. So they were asked. But if this is the line that goes out there against Utah on Saturday, like Utah's going to have a good defense. So it's a really good test for this offense. But they seem like they might have the potential to to move the ball and score some points. And if they can do that, then they're going to be in the ball game. It's that simple. Yeah, and I think one of the things, like I mentioned, I'll be looking for is Booby Curry. If he's if he's living up to that four star uh, hype and had as good of a camp as is the rumblings are indicating, uh, if you have Jamari Joyner healthy and you have Booby Curry also now becoming that kind of star wide receiver threat, you know if you have those two guys that are the defense are having to game plan around because guess what. Their leading receiver is returning in Brian Castile. He's the third receiver, right? Like you have, you have, you have weapons. There, and then the real question is, do you have the guys that can dictate uh, the defense to re- respond to them a little bit? And I think Joiner and Curry can be that. And I think Castile and the running backs can take advantage of, you know, if you having a star receiver or even better having two out there to kind of keep a defense honest will go a long way to opening things up for, for the Brian Castiles and Brightwells and Michael Wiley's mm-hmm. and the play so, action game, those read options too. Like you don't expect him yeah. to pull it and run it himself, but like, but you know, dead gummit, you might actually see a throw to a tight end once in a while. <laughs> well, it might remind <laughs> you more of the new Solomon offense when they had, cause he wasn't much of a runner. Like he could run, he didn't want to, but he would roll out a little bit and get those quick passes. Just, it was always someone open. And that, I mean, that's a Mazzoni offense too. He's not a, 
he's not a bad offensive coordinator, but he you could argue he didn't do a great job of scheming to the talent he had, but the talent he had also was somewhat mercurial, at least at quarterback last season and the year before. So, yeah, I, 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 I see an easy path to success for the offense. I do. It starts up from the offensive line, which is probably the most questionable part of the offense, and it's only questionable because it's the offensive line. Because like we said, there's veterans there. There's a lot of returning talent there, a lot of returning proven solid talent. I guess Jordan Morgan's not as proven, but he's one of the highly, more highly rated recruits, a guy that USC tried to poach. He's got the size, and they're pretty pleased with him. I don't think you put him at left tackle if you're not confident that he can protect Grant Cannell's blind side. So Jordan Morgan had that growth. But, no, it's, like, it's the one thing you can say, obviously offensive football is fun anyway. But that's the one group that, which has so many options with Booby Curry, with Jamari Joyner, with Wiley and Brightwell and Tavian Cunningham and Castile and Dixon. And just like there's a lot of talent there. Somewhat underrated probably nationally because a lot of it's not proven. But there's a lot of talent there. Yeah, I think the, the big question mark uh, for Saturday is there's been some kind of discussion and rumblings that there might be some some injuries or guys that are I mean Jalen Johnson is still suspended which he would he would certainly be on this depth chart right if he wasn't suspended you think so um you know they I, I think there's talk that uh there may be an issue with one of our receivers uh injury or otherwise I think Josh McCauley may be a little banged up uh if Josh McCauley doesn't play that is a significant cause for concern yeah. um because your redshirt senior center, the center is the one making the calls on blocks. You know, if you're Stephen Bailey, probably would get this the snaps there, even though they really like Josh Baker, the f- true freshman. But I don't know if I'd want to throw him to the wolves and having to make calls against a Utah defense in his first <laughs> first game since high school. Yeah. Um, you know that I'll I'll feel a lot better if I see McCauley playing. Um, honestly, I think even if like Jamari Joyner misses the game. For, for whatever reason, if Bowie Curry's as good as we think he can be and the, the line is all intact, I still think you can absorb that. Obviously, you'd rather have Jamari Joyner. Yeah. You know, I, I, obviously, Jamari Joyner is one of the most dynamic players on the offense, potentially. But, uh, you know, I th- as we get closer to game time and we get a little more cl- cl- clarity on their status, it'll be a little more revealing. But, my like I said, my biggest hope is that McCauley is, is, is a full go and not having to just try to... <laughs> muscle his way through. But honestly, if he's like a guy that's having to play hurt just for the sheer intellect that he brings to the game in terms of calls, it might be worth having him at 85% than, uh, than not. Yeah. Yeah. Now that game is going to be Saturday, one thirty Arizona time in Utah. And you know what, Brett, like this will be the first chance you get to bet on an Arizona football game all year, which is kind of cool because between Arizona, the NFL, the rest of college football, there's really no shortage of games to watch. You know, thousands of lines are available on all your favorite sports and events. And if you want to turn your game day into payday, you do so with my bookie. Brett, I know you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites because they're favorites for a reason. But have you considered putting a couple uh, in a parlay for a much bigger payout? I mean, that would seem to be the way to really make the big money. Yes, because not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, Brett, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into real money makers. And don't, you know, don't forget those underdogs, Brett, though. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL, or as we're saying, U of A football right now, is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday or Saturday in the case of the Wildcats. The Wildcats, I guess they're never dogs anyway, so that's, you know, it is what it is. But every team really does truly have a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. 
It's never too late to get on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at my book, and when you do, use our promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus that's designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. Remember, that's promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, prop bets for different political things, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at my bookie. And Brett, we touched on Utah a little bit. That is the first opponent of the season, but they're a different Utah team than we're used to. We'll talk about that next after this break. We're back, and Brett, Arizona, Utah, week one in early November. Just like we all planned it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, if you look at the if you look at the line, if you go into my bookie and ready to bet, the 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 money is clearly favoring Utah. I think it's last I saw was at fourteen. Uh, Utah giving fourteen points. Yeah, but you know, the I line think, started at fourteen and a half, so the money started coming in on Arizona. Well, I mean, I think that line is is off because I think they're overweighting uh, the game being in Utah because there are going to be no fans there, and Arizona has something of a home field advantage by so much experience playing in front of empty stadiums. Uh. Um, like it might be, it might be a new adjustment period for some of the Utah guys. Um, you know, it, you know, we talked about how we, we feel good about Arizona's offense. Cause there's a lot of, there's, there's not a lot of question marks there. I think for Utah, you know, there's, there's so much unknown. It's, it's going to be real intriguing to see, what Whittingham can do with a new starting quarterback, I think a new starting running back, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a bunch of re- replacing a bunch of starters on the defense. Um, I'm pretty sure that they're still trying to hide their starting quarterback, right? They haven't they made have, it they public. Have not announced who it's going to be. No. Man, Kyle Whittingham uh, doing his going as Rich Rod for Halloween this year. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, the last time we saw Arizona, the last time we saw Utah. They beat Arizona 35-7. to I'm pretty sure that was senior night when Khalil Tate did not start or play, and everybody thought they would because it's like, you're going to lose anyway. Why not give them that chance at Arizona Stadium? Wildcats didn't get on the scoreboard until a minute 50 left in the fourth quarter. So, and they lost 35-7. to But that's a Utah team. Like, they won the Pac-12 South. They've been really damn good. And they're solid. Like, finally, they started becoming good. They were always projected to be good. And then they would just win, like, eight games. You're like, okay, they were fine. You know, when they first joined the conference, Arizona always beat them. Rich Rod had Utah's number, it seemed like. But, of course, lately it's been the other way, and substantially so. (laughs) You know? But no more Tyler Huntley. No more Zach Moss. It's going to be a different Utah team than we've seen. Still well-coached. Kyle Whittingham is still still him. He's one of the best coaches in the conference, one of the best coaches in the country. But it is not like quarterback one is probably Jake Bentley, who's a senior, or Cameron Rising, who's a sophomore. Like, neither one of those guys has done anything before. You know, so there's there's question marks there. And like Tyler Huntley was good last year for them. He was really good. And they'd have to replace him. Well, to, to be fair, I'm pretty sure Bentley is a grad transfer who has a lot of experience. Yeah. Um, just not not at Utah. Yeah, that, that's um, what I mean. Yeah. And a new and a new system. And, and, you know, I think he was at South Carolina um, and a reasonable record. Um, you know, it's funny if you're an Arizona fan, you look at. Uh, Kyle Whittingham's run at Utah, and I think that they are the the best model for what Arizona wants to become and can reasonably become as a program, which is to say they're not going to get the recruiting classes that USC or even Washington gets. You know, they're going to recruit to their system. They're going to be well-coached, well-schemed, and consistent. They do the little things right. Um, 
I, I assume that their punter is going to come out and kick the ball 79 yards and it'll be it'll die on a dime at the one because Utah does like I said they do the little things right mm-hmm. um, but yeah you you look at you look at what they have returning there's so many question marks there it's it's almost hard to preview especially when you don't even know who's going to be starting right um, and I think that you know that their their defense was pretty is they they rode their defense and Zach Moss to a large extent last year to their success right yeah absolutely uh, and a large amount of that defense you know is in the NFL now <laughs> um, they're not you know they're I just said they're not USC so they they probably don't have a bunch of four stars lined up right behind those guys but you know it's Utah and Whittingham have shown an ability to kind of re reload with guys that can produce so. It's it's going to be interesting to see. We'll see, you know, a quarterback that's learning a brand new system, just like uh, you know, like a lot of a lot of schools. But Arizona has Gannell with an experienced quarterback in the system, right? Yeah. Um, they don't have that experience, but not in the system. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and he was coming off a foot injury from last season, so he's, it's been a while since he's played in a football game. It's been a while since anyone's played in a football game, but him especially. And I would imagine he'll be the starter, just based on the fact that he does have experience at the college level. But when yeah, grad, grad, tra- grad transfers usually don't transfer unless they're pretty confident they're going to get yeah. to start, especially you, at like a quarterback spot. And you choose Utah because you know there's an opening at quarterback. It makes a lot of sense. But how will he be in this system? Yeah, without Zach Moss in that running game to lean on necessarily. And they have a lot of unproven players. Now, you trust that they have a better, better replacement. It's like when Arizona loses players, like, oh, boy, what's behind them? You trust that a program like Utah has like a pipeline, like you were saying, though, of – solid quality players who are going to be well coached and fit the system perfectly. But we don't know how good they're going to be. We don't know if they're going to be a dynamic offense like they were last season. It's hard to imagine they'll be as good with the guys they've lost. And defensively with as much as they lost there, you trust that they're going to be a good defense, but are they going to be as elite? And again, this is week one, you know, and I would imagine Whittingham will have them prepared to play because he is that good of a coach, that quality of a coach. Like you said, they're always good at the little things. Like he knows how to coach, but they're an unknown, and that's doesn't necessarily play to Arizona's advantage because you'd like to know who the quarterback is. You'd like to know what certain guys are capable of, but at the same time, those guys are not proven in this system for that school, which, who knows? Like It's, it's a week one that's unlike most week ones Arizona has. You know, Usually it's the cupcake game, and you're like, oh, they're going to beat them no matter what, or it's Hawaii last year. But either way, you have a pretty good idea of who the opponent is Utah is Utah, but they're not Utah, at least not yet. I mean, a lot of their, for a team that is coming off of, you know, pretty much running through the PAC 12 South last year. Um, there's a, there's a lot of question marks there where they may be in for a precipitous fall, but I think Kyle Whittingham has earned the benefit of the doubt in general, uh, talking about how he, his teams are well coached and do the little things right. But, you know, until, until you see guys go into the bright lights and hear the 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 roar of fan in the stadium, Let's see what I did there. I did fan singular. Yeah. Um, you know, it's you don't know what you know. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? And maybe Arizona can come out with their their big offensive line and and push them around a little bit and have some long drives and put them on their heels. Uh, if you're an Arizona fan, that's what you want to see. You want to avoid that uh, or avoid the turnovers. You want to control the ball. 
you know, until we see until we see the Utah guys on the field, it's kind of like what we usually feel like with Arizona, where we say, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like you trust so it's, that it's, they'll be better off. Like you trust, like yeah. between both programs being unknowns, you trust that Utah's starting from a better point than Arizona is in terms of what, even at their base level, what they will be. But yeah, there's with Bentley, like he was 19 and 14 at South Carolina, not great. He put up okay numbers, but like he wasn't a star at South Carolina. And running back, they got with Devin Brumfeld, you know Jordan Wilmore. They combined 457 rushing yards and three touchdowns last season. That's not a lot. You know, <laughs> like they're not bringing back guys that similar to Arizona on defense. They're not bringing back guys on offense that they know they can rely on. Yeah. Brumfield and Wilmore, what they had was like four and a half yards of carry behind a pretty darn good Utah O-line. Yeah. Um, and in kind of <laughs> maybe – Garbage time, shall we say? Because Moss was getting a lot of carries, right? Moss was good. Moss, Moss was, it was a, what was he, a fourth-round pick or something like that in the he's NFL? The That's like, now. yeah. Yeah. Um, Moss was like a grown man out there last year, which combined with the Utah defense, that's what they were just going to ground you into would you oblivion. Say, would you say Moss was grown? Uh, I don't know. I think we could do better than that. <laughs> okay, let's try that again. Um, um, would you say... Uh, I don't know. That's the best I had. That's that's just... I can't do better than that. Well, at least you tried. <laughs> yes, um, at least that. <laughs> you know, and though to be fair, some of that Brumfield and Wilmore production, maybe they would have done better with more opportunities. But, you know, being behind a guy like Moss, they're just not, not going to get as many touches. I guess because, yeah, we're sitting there saying Gary Brightwell we believe in. Like, he'll be fine, even though he just never had the opportunities. And these guys are saying, oh, you can't count on them. But maybe they've never had the opportunities. And again, it goes back to you would trust Utah's backups to be better than Arizona's backups, right? Which means that Utah guys have to become starters. You trust that they'll be better than the Arizona guys have to become starters. Like, that's – I think that's fair. Yeah. And, I mean, I think they got three three linemen coming back that were, you know, honorable mention all-conference. So, they've, they've got some talent there. Uh you know, the, the defense, I think, is maybe the biggest. The defense quarterback and running back are the big question marks with them, right? Because there's just so much lost on to replace on defense. And a new quarterback is always a question mark. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing with a good O-line, you know, a star running back can make a big difference. But with a good O-line, an average running back can be a star, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you, I think you look at how the quarterback performs and how their defense looks and Realistically, I want to see how their our offensive front handles their defensive front because to me that's where the game is going to be decided. Yeah, I think we'll know a lot early in this one, and you know maybe you know I think that's let's let's take one more break. We did talk about you know Utah a little bit. Now let's kind of transition to just how Arizona wins this game. Maybe you know let's, yeah let's sure. do that after the break. Okay, Brett, so Arizona's a two-touchdown underdog for a reason. Like, not because Vegas doesn't know what it's doing, because Arizona's not supposed to be that good, and Utah is supposed to be pretty good. Now, granted, I think the fact that it's only two touchdowns shows the level of uncertainty that people have trying to predict these things. But certainly Arizona is a wor- like they're a warranted underdog in this game. Like, on the road against a team that's as solid as they come, even with all the changes, all the unknowns that Utah has. Arizona's not like it's not like they're coming back returning everybody. 
I do think we'll have a pretty good idea of Arizona's chances early in this one. Even like the last last season, when they were bad and they were getting blown, you saw it early. <laughs> you know, they just they couldn't move the ball. Nothing was going. Like, okay, it's only a matter of time before their opponent either starts scoring points or just you know something really bad happens. I I don't think like if if Arizona can hang on early and kind of move the ball offensively, drive down the field, get a couple scores on the board, then they'll have a chance in this one. I think you're right. I think I, I think you're right on all fronts because I do think by the time it gets into the first quarter, uh, as long as Arizona is not getting pushed around and muscled around, uh, if they're you know dictating tempo on offense, taking what the defense is giving them, uh, you, you feel pretty good about about their chances. I think in a weird way, Arizona to win this game almost has to out Utah Utah in a broad sense, yeah. in it, which is to say control the clock, control the ball, avoid mistakes, and the, the the finishing touches execute well on special teams, which, you know, maybe that's a, a more of a reach for this Arizona Wildcats team. But if they can be, be you know, effective on special teams, I, I have faith that their offense, if they can, you know, say time of possession is 35 minutes in Arizona's favor, I think if that you have 35, crazy. when have they have a 35 minute time possession like that? You can remember. Well, I mean, that's partially by the nature of the old Rich Rod offense. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I know. Okay. And, and, and Khalil Tate as your quarterback, even in the Sumlin era. Right. Um, I, I don't think this is going to be an offensive game plan. That's going to be about taking a lot of shots. It's going to be traditional Mazzoni, occasional deep, deep chance, but mostly take what the defense gives you, avoid mistakes, avoid turnovers you know, stay on schedule. I think they should try to get to 35 minute time of possession. And that gives your defense a chance to succeed. Um, Cause I don't, you know, I don't think if, if Arizona's defense is on the field for, for 40 minutes, you know, that that's a bad sign for us. Right. <laughs> Unless it's just like three drive, like three play touchdown drives all over the place for Arizona, in which case their defense might have to be on the field quite a bit. Like that's the only scenario where that would be a good sign, I think, but no, you're right. And, when Arizona, like when Arizona had Utah's number early on in the Rich Rod days, there was a style of offense you could tell. Like they weren't necessarily close games, even. You know, Arizona would just their style would dictate the game. Like they would they would run it. You know, they did whatever they wanted. Lately, Utah's doing whatever they want to do. So if Arizona can put up a fight defensively, show some resistance and an ability to move the ball, that would give you a reason to believe that things are a little bit different in this game. And is it the type of game like? Football is pretty easy. If you get turnovers and don't turn the ball over, you have a chance to win. Is that the type of game where maybe it comes down to a possession or two where you get an interception or you get a fumble or something like that? You know, like Arizona has to play a pretty clean game. Utah doesn't really turn the ball over historically, but this is a different Utah team. So, you know, it's Arizona enters this game at a disadvantage. Utah's a better football team. Like that, I don't think that's unfair to say. But, that's quite the, it's quite the disadvantage. Yeah, right. They're better at this. Like, but that doesn't mean Arizona doesn't have a chance. Like, if they can play a clean game, like you're talking about Gunnell, like doing just no turnovers, ball control, stay in it, then maybe you do get that fluky turnover or you get a punt return or a kick return for a touch, like something that's just like a game-changing kind of play. But those don't matter if you're down three touchdowns, right, you know, in the first quarter. Yeah. So if you can be in this one by controlling the clock a little bit, keeping control of the ball, putting drives together, and not putting your defense in bad field position – is this Utah offense good enough to just go up and down the field? Like last year they were with Huntley and Moss. This year we don't know if they're going to be that type of team. They may need to be winning games 20-17 to 17 
You know, and if you're playing that type of football, as long as you don't screw up on your own, you're going to have a chance. That was ASU all last season. You know, like just keep it close enough and try to make a play. I'm not saying Arizona's on that level, but that would seem to be their game plan to steal this one in Utah. Yeah, and with the Wildcats on defense, I think if you're trying to if you're trying to bank on something to try to steal this one and keep it close enough, you know, that's where I go right back to the defensive line where we're talking about if they can control the running game a little bit, um, maybe generate a little bit of disruption in the passing game, get to a few third downs, and then hopefully Jalen Harris can be the, the beast that we hope he can become as a pass rusher. You know, I think that's how you get your, you know, a, a strip sack or a, you know, hit as he's throwing kind of balls, how you get one of those kind of pressure turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the defensive, the defensive line there, if you can, the thing that would <laughs> negate, you know, our, Will our ability to win the the clock battle would be if they're able to just kind of run the ball on us? Well, and they don't make if we don't make their quarterback that's learning a new system have to try to beat us because they can just get six yards of carry. That doesn't yeah. augur well for the outcome, right? No, absolutely. Um, and that's where I'm saying, like in a lot of ways, Arizona almost has to out Utah. Utah, like I don't expect Arizona's defense to be uh, as nearly on the same level as Utah's defense. Certainly not of last season. Probably not of this season. But if you look at Utah's defense last season, a large function of their strength was rooted in their defensive line, right? That yeah. that man that that manhandled offensive lines and controlled the running game, and it, it basically painted the opposing offense into a corner, which it, it's easier to scheme around. If you're if Aaron Blackwell, if Roy Lopez, you know the rotation there with Tapasoa, Trayvon Mason, Keon Bars, if they can hold up at the at the line of scrimmage on first and second down. You know, that's that's how you try. That's how you put yourself in a position to get those kind of surprise turnovers. That if we can get a couple of those and control the clock on offense, that's your recipe for winning the game. How nice would it be? Even just obviously, we just want to see football. Like it'll be exciting to see the Grant Canal era officially begin, and some of these new guys. You know, Booby Curry in that role. Gary Bradwell as a starting running back. The new guys on defense, new coaching staff defensively. But how nice would it be just to see them be competitive? Like, to feel like they might have a chance. Like, I remember the ASU game to end the season last year. They were in that game. They led at halftime in that game. You know, whether you thought Arizona was going to win or not, you're like, okay, that wasn't a blowout, which probably says more about ASU than it did about Arizona at the time. <laughs> but how nice would it be to have this game that there are two touchdowns on a dog after all this if Arizona's in the game and it's an entertaining, competitive football game? Like, we talked about it early on. Like, that would be a sign of growth and moral victory. But just from, like, a fan perspective, as someone watching Arizona football who – they lost their last seven games last season. Most of them weren't even close. Just to have a football game that's competitive against a good team on the road, that would be a welcome change of pace from what we got used to. <laughs> yeah, if, if we can, uh, to pull an Arrested Development reference, I don't know if you ever watched the show, if we can get upgraded to not buy <laughs> it's a stock rating um, on defense, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a big step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That do you, what do you think happens, though? I know we like to do predictions on this show. What, what are you thinking? I, 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 part of me is really tempted to go out on a limb and call the upset, but I just, I, I have, a, I, I just don't know if it's quite there. I'm going to say, I am going to think that it's going to be closer than people expect. I'm going to go with 31-24 Utah. So Arizona covers the spread; they're competitive, but they still end up losing. So I have a 27-17 Utah. 
I think, a competitive 27-17. But, like, Arizona's offense will be good, but Utah's defense will also be good. <laughs> so it'll be – we'll feel not terrible about it, but also be like, oh, man, that would have been a nice one to steal. So that that's how I see it. Yeah, that, that, that feels reasonable. We'll be optimistic but disappointed at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, really quick before we go, I think we want to – Give our hearts out. Arizona announced this week, too, they had a bunch of athletic department layoffs because of just the COVID-19 uh, money that they've lost. Pretty rough stuff. You know, administration, administrative expenses, uh, sport expenses, and just it's it's terrible. You know, so our hearts go out to them, everyone, because obviously no one predicted this and nothing you can do about it, and no one knows when this will end, which I think makes us even tougher because there's no expiration date on COVID, you know, precautions and no fans and this and that. But, you know, hopefully for a lot of people, at least getting sports to start again will be that welcome diversion, even from the bad news. And, you know, so our hearts go out to everybody from Wildcat Radio 2.0. You know, we appreciate everyone who did all that hard work for the Wildcats programs, you know, athletic programs and everything that lost their jobs. Like, hopefully you land on your feet soon because – Never like to see those headlines, but they're also not unexpected during times like this. Yeah, well, well said, Adam. Um, at least to your point, you know, in the in the midst of a crazy year, to put it mildly, uh, I think we're all excited to see see college football happening in the Pac-12. Hopefully, you know, the testing stays in place and we can have a complete the the, the shortened season as planned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, without that, 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 you know, there's not much room for error in terms of testing protocols and whatnot of games they've canceled. But every time that happens, that hurts, you know, athletic departments across the pack even more. So let's hope we can uh, get there, you know, and our listeners wear a mask, help help keep COVID under control so we can have more football and complete this season. Yeah, yeah. And everybody else, like you said, wear a mask, stay safe out there, everyone. We appreciate you listening. As always, you can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can find Wildcat Radio 2.0. Subscribe to the station. Leave some reviews for us. We appreciate that as long as they're good reviews. You know, but there's plenty of content that's going to be coming in. Of course, next show, we're going to have a game to talk about. Like, we're going to have a review type of thing along with previewing Arizona's next one after that, which doesn't get any easier for the Wildcats with USC. But, you know, we're excited to have some football to talk about, to watch. You know, so we'll... We'll catch you all next week, but until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.